So new believers class, Pastor Matt is teaching tonight. So you guys can go and know he an amazing message here. Just kidding. <laughs> so um, I'm just proud of you guys. You know why? Because you know, Pastor Crystal was preaching last time and said she memorizes um, she memorizes Bible verses, right? But today it was approved that if we don't memorize the songs and technology goes out, then, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know, I ha- I'm like, people are going to be lost, but you guys are still singing. So, so high five the person next to you. Just tell them that's amazing. Huh? All right, let's pray. Lord, we give you honor today, God. We glorify your holy name, Father, because of who you are, Lord. We thank you for today, God, because, Lord, you, you know we're going to be here, Lord. You, you have a message for each and every one of us, God. Yeah. Father, we pray that you may speak to our hearts, O oh God. Deep inside in our hearts, O oh King of Glory, God. That whatever we are, God, that you may meet us, O oh King of Glory, God. Because that's what we want. We want a touch from you, King of Glory, God. Jehovah God, we ask you that we may cancel the noise around us, O oh God. Any distraction whatsoever, King of Glory, we ask you, Father, that we may cancel it and get to hear you, God. Father, I pray, Lord, that you may move me out of the way completely, O oh King of Glory, Father. So you can speak to your people, King of Glory, Jesus. Father, I praise you and I honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So today's message is, the title, even though we don't have it, is Consider Staying a Little Bit Longer. So consider staying a little bit longer. Alright, so Acts 14, 1, 7. So Acts 14, 1 to 7 says. Okay. Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jew. And so, and spoke... Hold on. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and so spoke that a great multitude, both the Jews and the Greek believers. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore, they stayed a little... They, there, therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witnesses to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part sided with the apostles. And when the violent attempt were made by both Gentiles and Jews with the rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Leicester and Dabar, D-E-R-B, city of something, and surrounded in the surrounding region. And they were preaching the gospel there. So, so in this verse here, so we have from um, Acts fourteen one seven, it says, "Now it happened again." So last uh, last Wednesday, Pastor Christo spoke about, spoke about how they were they went to speak in a town, but they got run off, and God says they should dust their feet and just leave, right? And they don't run away, but they go to the next city and they start preaching, right? And so Paul and Barnabas have just been pushed out of Antioch. And the same thing happened in Iconium. This is because they commanded great presence, moving, moving, um, God was moving in their, in, uh, was moving and lives were being changed. And so they did not run off because they were preaching their own message and not because that they were, um, they wanted people to look at them, but they had an assignment to glorify God. And that's the only reason why they were able to go from one place where people are willing to stone them and end up going to a different town where they're going to do the same thing. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, 
My first, my first point is it. What is keeping you here? And I mean here as in urban, as in economy. What was keeping them there? And when we look at our life, when we reflect on our lives, what is keeping us where we are? What brought you to church here today? What has kept you at faith and victory? What has kept you serving God to this point? Because I ask this question because when we look at Paul and Barnabas, they stayed because they have an assignment from God to go and preach the good news. Right? But guess what? Also, the Jews, on the other hand, stayed because they wanted to start trouble. The Bible says that they poisoned the people's minds. So if they poisoned the people's minds, it wasn't like, let me come and just tell you for one day that these people are not good. They invested their time. Don't miss this. They invested their time. They invested time to listen to the word. And then they started working slowly to poisoning them. So they were under the same covering. The words still came forth, right? There are those who believed, and then there are those others who just were there, even though the word was going forth, that they it didn't get to their mind because their intentions were different. Yeah. So I ask you again, what is keeping you here? Yeah. Because both of them were listening to the word of God, but their motives were different. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing here? Yeah. What's keeping you here? Because yeah. you know a time is going to come when the politics are going to be too much. When people are going to say that the word of God is, you're too serious. When they're going to come a time when people are going to say, you don't believe what I believe. You're being judgmental. Right? It's here, right? And it's going to get worse. Where they say, because you don't believe what I believe, then what's going on? Are you still going to stay when that time comes? Or are you going to leave? I wonder if there was a time in our world when the word of God would be so diluted by people in order to please other people around them. Because that's what the poisoning is in their mind. That they didn't tell them that these guys are preaching the wrong thing. They didn't say that these guys are, hey, you know, everything they are saying is wrong. What they did is they took the truth and they ended up twisting it a little bit. And I wonder if there was a time in our life when that was happening. Right? But no matter what they did, no matter what happened, they stayed there a little bit longer. So they have been threatened, they're going to be stoned. They run off and they go to a different place. They do the same thing. And when everything starts happening, they still stay a little bit longer. Because, I mean, the first time we can try to stay because we think that in the first time when we stay there, it's okay because we don't know what's really going to happen because it's the first time, right? You think maybe they'll change their hearts, maybe something is going to happen. But the second time, you already know what really happens. But then they still decide to stay a little bit longer. I'm wondering, when we look at where we are and the things that are going on, are we going to be able to stay a little bit longer? Because right now we might be able to come to church. We might be able to pray and worship together. But maybe in the next five, ten years, when we see what has gone on, are we still going to be able to stick a little bit longer? (laughs) See, these guys were not faced by threat. Their circumstances changed, but their faith did not. Fear did not keep them away. So let no fear, they didn't let fear derail them from what God was doing in their lives. And only their lives, but even the lives of other people. 
They spoke boldly in the Lord because they knew, just like David wrote in Psalms 123, 4, Yea, though, <clears throat> though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Yeah. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because I think the biggest thing, the reason why we don't stay where we need to stay is because we are scared. We are so scared. We are scared that this is going to happen to us. We are scared of the things which most probably are not going to happen because God says, no matter what comes against me, for God is with me, then why would I worry? Right? But there is that fear that cripples us and tells us that if I continue to do what I need to do, if I continue to, to, to preach God, if I continue to speak about God in my workplace, and with my friends, they're going to leave me. If I continue to speak about God on Facebook, people are going to defriend me. I don't know. Something. <laughs> right? But it's all fear because we think that we make it all about us. But then we have a God who came from heaven and came as a child and died for us. He didn't make it about himself at all. Because when he was getting beaten, when he was being killed, he didn't say, no, I can't handle this. I'm just going to do this for myself. He did it for you. And you are not being told that you're going to go to the cross, maybe down the road. But today, what is stopping you? Are you willing to stay a little bit longer? Uh, one of the in enduring words, it says, we understand that a shadow, so remember, you we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and staff, they comfort me. We understand that the shadow is not a tangible, it's not tangible, but it cast, it's cast by something that is. One can lightly say that, the, that we face only the shadow of death because Jesus took the full reality of death in our place. Okay? Jesus only took the, Jesus took the full reality of, uh, um, of death in our place. And then Spurgeon says, Death in its substance has been removed, and, the only shadow, uh, and, and only the shadow remains. Someone has said that when there is a shadow, there must be light somewhere. And so there is. Death stands by the side of the highway in which we have, tra- we have to travel. And the light of heaven shining upon him draws a shadow across our path. Let us rejoice that there is a light beyond. And then he continued to say, Nobody is afraid of a shadow, for a shadow cannot stop a man's pathway even for a moment. The shadow of a dog cannot bite. The shadow of a sword cannot kill. The shadow of death cannot destroy us. Yet, we are scared by the shadow. What the light is over there. Let us not give in to fear. God was backing them up and they stayed and he showed up. He says that he confirmed their message with the works of their hand. See what happened when you stay a little bit longer. When we stay a little bit longer, God sees what we are doing and he comes and encourages us. And he confirms what we are doing because he is Lord of our all. See, they didn't stay to be seen, but they stayed so that healing, deliverance, life changes could glorify God. Because even though he was granting signs and wonders by their hands, they never took credit of that. They never said, we are doing this. They give God the glory. See, they they plotted to stone them, but they they, they were alerted by somebody. 
And this is for somebody today who's wanting to do the work of God, but you're scared. Let me let you know that God will provide a way out. He will use his resources to alert you and to move you. And if there's something, because there's nothing greater that God cannot do. You know, I was looking at, uh, they fled from, so they come from that city and they go to a different city. So they go from Restra, I'm glad there's no slides there so you can, you know, blame me for it. <laughs> to Dab, which was 20 miles away, which is like from Aban to Redmond, right? And I, I, I was putting it, I was like, I don't know why I put it there. And I was just thinking about it. If I was running away from people who want to stone me and kill me, would Redmond be the place that I'm going? Would it be 20 miles? I would be gone. I'll be in California, right? <laughs> Just me? If you're walking, if you're, well, yeah, if you're walking, it might be different. But the perspective is, don't, 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 don't get lost on this. But the thing is, these guys were not running away. They were in the same region because they knew that these people really needed Christ. And yet sometimes when we speak about God and we start, we start uh, ministering to people and we get a little bit of opposition, we are like, okay, that person is not going to receive Christ. I don't want to be in that place. I cannot be at work. I'm just going to move away and go do something else. But well, God has called you to be in that place. What if they had not stayed? What if they had not come from Antioch to Iconium? Would those people who have been saved, would their lives have been changed? No. So it's a challenge for us and myself as well that no matter what we face, no matter what fear we adapt and try to do, remember that you've been put up in a place right now by Christ for a season like this in a specific place so then you can affect and influence that place. See, the problem with with most of us is we hedge our hope on the things that we get from God and not God himself. We had our hope on security, on provision, on healing, on deliverance. But what happened when that takes a little bit longer to come? Because Christ still says they're going to come. But what if it takes a little bit longer and you have to stick a little bit longer? How are you going to stand? Isaiah 40.31 says, Isaiah 40.31. But those who wait upon the Lord shall, re- shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Those who wait upon the Lord. Not those who wait upon provisions. Not those who wait upon healing. Not those who wait for God to do something. It's saying those who wait upon the Lord so they can behold God. Those are the people that saw us as eagles. Right? See, if you're not waiting for God, then you must well leave the city that you're in because unfortunately, you know, it might be a little bit longer and then your expectations are not going to be met. See, we need to dismiss our expectations. We need to dismiss our expectations and clothe ourselves by expecting God and only Him, not the things that He can provide. Jeremiah, 20, 20, Jeremiah 28, 9 says, For when I spoke, I cried out and shouted, Violence and plunder, because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and delusion daily. But I said, I will not, mention, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any, any, any more in his name. But his word was in the heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not, I could not, not speak about it. So Jeremiah is saying that he's been given a message. 
But he didn't want, he had, give, he had been given a message of, dude, you guys are doing, you guys are doing really bad. God is going to destroy you. It's nothing good, right? And it gets to that point where you're just warning and warning and warning and his body is just wearing out because of this. But he says that no matter what happened, the message that he had been given by God, it was so strong in his body, like fire shot in his bones. Think about that. He could not contain, he tried and he could not contain himself. But I wonder, what kind of relationship with God did he have to have God tell him that, though you are weak, I'll be your strength and I'll still put that message in you and I can, you can still go out there and do it. I wonder if there will be a time in our lives when we have that love of Christ in us, that he puts a message in us of what he's done in our life. That when you go to a place, you cannot hide. All you can do is just speak about what God has done in your life. I wonder if there will be a time when, when you see those shadows, when you see that fear, that it doesn't shake you because you have that heart and that message of God in your heart so much that everything pales in comparison. Though it cost Jeremiah everything, a lot of pain and humiliation, Jeremiah could not, not preach the word of God. He had to do it. What have you seen in in your life that you can't share about what God has done in your life? The apostle faced stoning, yet they considered staying a little bit longer in the midst of the threat. Has God done something in your life that you are considering to stick a little bit longer, no matter the opposition that you got? Has God done something in your life that you can speak about? I hope that we are all consumed by God, God's goodness, that we can hold it in, but we declare every single time that He is worthy, He is worthy, He is worthy. Are you willing to wait a little bit longer to see God work? My second point is this. God does not owe you anything. Ephesians 2.20 says, For we are the workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good work, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God created us. He created us for a purpose and a plan. He created us. He gets to tell us what to do. Right? And you know, it's interesting because the Bible says a thousand years is like one day to God. Right? So I try to think about that and I can't comprehend because his thinking is greater than my thinking. And But this is my version. Okay? This is Mugi's version. Right? <laughs> so if a thousand years is one day to God, I'm 40 right now. Right? So if I'm 40, that means that... The years that I've been, if I'm gonna be, if I'm gonna be, like, let me say I'm gonna be 90 for some reason, right? If a thousand years is one day, so pretty much, God has sent me, He sent me in the morning at six o'clock, and then by 12, by mid, by six o'clock, I have to go back to God and report what I've done. Think about it that way. Let me say that so slowly, you don't get lost in the accent. Okay. So, if a thousand years is one day, right? So, 90 years God given is like, 12 hours to God, right? Right? So, if we have been sent with an assignment in the morning, and you have to report to God at 12 or at 6 o'clock in the evening, what you've been doing, and then God finds you that you came and He gave you a message in your heart, but then you decide to do other stuff that justifies you, how is that conversation going to be? 
Because it's easy for us to look at 80 years and 90 years and 40 years and see that it's a long time. But to God, it's just a couple of hours. Think about it. What is that conversation going to be when you stand up before God and he says, Mugi, I sent you at 6 o'clock this morning and right now it's 2 o'clock. What did you do? Oh, Lord, let me tell you what I did. I went and I started doing my own things. I went and I saw these friends that derailed me, Lord. I went, I was waiting for a little bit longer because I wanted to do your work after. What is that conversation going to look like? Oh, Lord, I was so scared of this shadow that came upon me. And he's like, I don't worry about that because I was there to help you for your 12 hours that I had given you. A thousand years, God does not owe us anything. We have been sent to do that. Matthew 28, 19, 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. In the end of the ages. See, the disciples were commanded. They were say, go and preach the word of God. And I believe that the reason why they stayed is not because they didn't fear. Not because they didn't fear. Death is real. That's why they went from one city to another. The reason why they stayed is because they were obedient. That's the reason why they stayed. They were obedient. They knew that there's a holy God when he tells you that you need to do something, that you just do it and you don't question it. They knew that when God says, I'll be with you, he is indeed going to be with you. They knew that no matter what happens, that God was going to use their lives for his glory. I believe that the reason why they stayed was obedience. See, this idea that, you know, that um, God is going to keep us from all trouble, it's a lie. That you get your best life now. It's a lie. See, I believe what, what, what is happening is we do not have a holy fear of God. We do not have a reverential fear of God. That we think that just because God says, let me do my own things first, and then after that, then I can do what God is asking me to. But if we really did have a reverential fear of God, he would say, come here or go there, and you'd say, here I am, send me, Lord. Right? See, the apostles were on a mission, and no matter how much opposition there were, they did not consider their, their lives worthy. They were willing to stay until God said, go. How long are you willing to stay today? How long are you willing to stay? It's interesting because Pastor Christo posted um, um, her devotional on Tuesday, and this is what it says. The word is meant to refine character and bring forth good fruits for his kingdom and glory. If, if you find yourself being greedy, check the message. If you find yourself thinking you deserve anything, check your message. Let me read that again. If you, if, if you find yourself thinking you deserve anything, check your message. If the message is centered and around ad- adorizing you, run fast. God gives us beautiful and amazing gift because he is a good God, but not because we deserve anything. He is a God, a good father, not a divorced parent visiting his kids one a month and lavishing expensive gifts on them to compensate for the missing time in their lives. And that is so true because as, as I read, that is, we have this entitlement when it comes to God. Yeah. 
We have God. I'm going to do this, but you need to do this stuff. I've, talk, I've spoken to people where they said, man, why don't you come to church? Well, why did God do this in my life? Then I'm not going to come to church. Why aren't you being obedient completely? Well, God told me, well, why didn't he do this? He's like, why aren't you loving your wife or your husband? Well, you know, well, eh, I don't do this, but you've been commanded. You've been commanded. If you just stop there and not try to give excuses and say, I have been commanded. And I do not deserve, I don't deserve anything. Then you have a reverential fear of God. Let me translate what Pastor Crystal was talking about. Let's talk about, I'm going to give you an example of a vase. And those, I want to get you lost in the accent. Vase, V-A-S-E. Nudge your pastor and tell them. (laughs) Nudge them and tell me, tell them vase, right? So, Think about a vase. God creates a you as a beautiful vase. Very beautiful, right? But then the choices you make, the life that you live, you end up being a vase that's broken and torn apart and shattered and thrown away. Just destined to go be burnt out. But God comes in and grabs those little pieces and starts putting glue one at a time, piecing it together, bringing the beauty into it. Yes, there's some bruises, then there's some marks, there's some things because of the life that we've chosen. But he gets to put you back. And he just gets to put you back. And then he grabs these flowers, and if you want to put flowers as the cinnamon for, for, the, for the word, he gets that and puts it in you so people can smell and hear that. Right? But this is the interesting part. As a flower, as a vase that's been put in there, you have no right to say, I need to be in the king's palace. You have no right to say that you got to take me to the office, you can't leave me in the house. Listen, if the vase is taken and it's put in the bathroom, it's still a privilege because it could have been in the bad dump. Right? If that vase was put in next to the toilet, holding the flowers, it still has a better chance of life than it was. But yet God takes us and changes our life and he completely put us together. But yet when we are told to be used in a place, we are telling God, no, I can't do that. Are you willing to stay a little bit longer? See, whatever you focus on expands. You can focus on the flowers, which is the word of God. That you're holding the joy and you're bringing that beautiful smell to other people. And they can see what God has done in your life. Or you can focus on the position you are right now. Forgetting where God has gotten you from. Because I know when I read this, it doesn't say many people came to Christ. And at that point, the apostle decided that it was time for them to leave. Because it was dangerous. The Bible doesn't say that. It didn't say that the disciples had done. Many people came to Christ. And then at some point, they decided, okay, this is enough. You're not going to listen to God. Because God is not pleased with your sacrifice if there is no obedience. The reason why we read about them is because they sacrificed, but they were obedient to as well. And God used to get to use use them. We don't get to tell God what he needs to do in our lives so that he, so that we can, so, so he can do what he's asking, so we can do what he's asking us to. Job 38, 3, 7, and you can read Job from, uh, Job, J-O-B, Job from 38, 3, 7 to 41, where, excuse me, God says, prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. So Job, go read the story, go read the whole Job, you'll see the story of him, right? So, 
He's, I love this part, but it's so scary too, because it says, prepare yourself like a man, and I'll question you. And you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who determines its measurements? Surely you know, right? And it wasn't, surely you know. It was a surely you know, right? Or who strikes the lines upon it? To what were the foundation fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, all the sons of God shouted glory. We have to know, and all the sons of, uh, sons of God shouted to glory. And that itself, if you read Job, you understand that we serve a holy God. Yeah. But we forget that. Read Job this night, tonight's your assignment. Are you guys gonna read it? Three people. Obedience. Okay. <laughs> read it. And see and realize that we serve a holy God. Who he has so much grace that we still pollute his word. We do what we need to do, but he still loves us. He still cares about us. He still walks with us every single day. And guess what? He still gives us a good life. Man. See, God knows what he wants us to do. He is Lord of our Lord and he gets to choose. He gets to choose the time that we get here, the time we are alive, the place we're going to be born, everything we're going to do on this earth. And guess what? He gets to choose your exit as well. Whether it's to the next city or to heaven. Regardless. He gets to choose that. You know, it's just sad in, uh, um, for those of you wondering where the accent is coming from, I'm from Kenya. So, in our Kenyan community, we had a, um, two weeks ago, California, two weeks ago, <laughs> South Bend, Indiana. Um, in, 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 uh, two, two and a half weeks ago, we had a Kenyan, um, we had a, a, a sad event happen to one of a young, young men in, who was Kenyan. He was 25 years old. And I know, I, I don't, I didn't know him personally, but I knew the mom. And the sad part is we, we, so he's 25 and he had all these plans of what he's gonna do. And, uh, it was a tragic accident that happened. But I got to talk to the mom because I knew the mom. And so um, the mom said that he, w- he was almost graduating. He was going to graduate this year. And then he was going to go to Kenya to visit for a while. And then after that, he was going to come and go to Mexico for three years to play soccer. And as we watched the funeral go on, people talked about how he inspired people. How he, he was such a good person, always had a smile. Always like he was full of life and he had all these plans and stuff. And there was so much that went there and he was being celebrated. And as I looked at him, I'm like, man, you're 25, you smile, you're happy. And I'm like, I'm happy and I smile. But the question is, when he's going back to God, is that all he's going to be remembered for? Did, I don't know where he was with God, but what was his life like? Because he had plans for another maybe 30 years of his life, right? So myself, you... Whatever you're planning tomorrow or the day after, when we go before God with the assignment that He had already given us, what are you gonna say? What are you gonna say? Cause people spoke wonderful things about Him, but guess what? He's gonna stand up before God by Himself, and He has to give an account of every word, every thought, everything that He did on this earth. And His works are gonna be put in fire. And it's going to be burnt out. And whatever is left, 
That's what he's going to be judged on. I wonder where we are today. I wonder if we are willing to stay a little bit longer. See, God does not owe us an explanation. He is Lord. And that is what reverence, fear of the Lord demands. And when you look at reverential fear of the Lord, it's profound, adoring, uh, adoring, overwhelming respect for God. It demands everything, dying to self. Yet this is the beautiful thing. Though we lose everything, we gain it all because we know God gives us everything. This evening I'm asking you, are you willing to stay a little bit longer? Though you may feel like, you may not feel like it. Though it may seem that there is opposition in every direction. Though they, outside, may seem louder and mightier. Though they, you may feel that you are alone. Are you willing to stick a little bit longer? Because the Bible tells me that there is one that sticks closer than a brother. Yes. There is one that says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Yes. See, God sees you. He sees your obedience. Yes. And he will confirm your, his presence with miracles and the work of your hands. What I'm asking you today is, are you, will, are you willing to align yourself with Christ? And as I add, I want to give you a little bit of a story. Um, back in Indiana, I believe, it was back in Indiana, I was making, bless you, I was making really bad choices. And um, I wasn't making good choices at all. Don't ask me what, that's already under the, under the blood. So I was making really bad choices and occasionally, I would drive, I had a SUV and I would drive to this lake. And there was this lake and I would just drive there, I would back up my SUV and I would sit over there. And I would just try to calm myself down by, you know, looking at nature and, and praying to God, even though God still guided me, still I wasn't living for Him. There was still that thing that I was missing. And as I stayed there, I noticed that every time I would sit over there, I would see the ducks. D-U-C-K? Nudge them, tell them. Okay. I'll see, right? I'll see ducks just in the water. So peaceful. And I'll be like, Lord, why can't I be as peaceful as those ducks? Why is my spirit so overwhelmed all the time? Why am I fighting? What is this that I'm fighting so much that I can't do? Right? And I believe it was one day I was sitting there and the sun was just perfect. And it shot through the water. And it shot through the water. I saw the ducks, the feet of the duck. And those feet were going like a thousand miles in there. A thousand miles. At that moment, I didn't think much of it. I was like, well, that sucks. Cause I thought, you know, <laughs> cause I thought that was, you know, that was, that was good. But as I continued to watch that, I realized that after that, I would go in and I'll get my friends and we'll go party, we'll go do all those things. And they will look at me and they'll be like, Kevin, you got it. Dude, you're doing all right. You look amazing, you're good, you're smiling, you're doing all this stuff. But on the inside, that's what my feet were doing. That was my life right there. And I believe today it's the same thing. As I look around, and I'm not looking at anybody specific, I know that there are people in there that you look like you're so together. You look so together. Everything looks really, really good from the outside. That when we look at you, you're like that duck that's just floating. But deep inside, you're fighting. You are fighting so much. You are fighting, you can't hold it together. And guess what? When God asks you to stay a little bit longer, you're not going to be able to stay a little bit longer. Because there's no way you can stick a little bit longer if you're fighting your life that much. And the Bible tells me that the battle is not mine at all. The Bible says that the battle is of the Lord. 
And I'll tell you what, when I gave my life to Christ eventually, the battle became of the Lord. Yes. That even though I was that dark, yes, my feet were the same. I was just cruising with a wave because God had got me. Yes. And tonight, I'm asking you, there's no need to fight anymore. Yes. There is one who loves you, who cares about you. Because if we have to stay a little bit longer, we have to shed all the weight that we have. And the only way we shed that weight is we realize that God is here. But you can't come to God and tell Him what you expect Him to do in your life. You're going to come to God with a heart like, God, you do not owe me anything. But yet God gives us everything. Let's all stand up. As we end... We're going to play a song. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Good job, though. <laughs> We're going to play a song. And this song says, You don't owe me anything. Still you give me everything. God, I owe you everything. I want you more than anything. The song name is More Than Anything. And I pray as we play this song, that this becomes your cry. That God, you do not owe me anything. But still, you give me everything. Go ahead and play, Brian. God, I owe you everything. I want you more than anything. And my outer call is this. If you haven't given your life to Christ, 